morning, and welcome to Organic Matters. Thanks for tuning in again. To begin with, for this part of the show, we'll talk a little bit about sustainability. You know, it's kind of important to remember that you don't need to live in a, a rural neighborhood or a rural place to take small steps to a more sustainable way of life. Even if you live in a little tiny flat in the heart of a city, there is still a lot that you can do as an individual to live in what I would call an eco-conscious way. Many people focus on making sustainable product switches and buying premium organic food. I'm guilty. Things that can feel impossible if you're living on a low income. But one of the very best things you can do to reduce your carbon footprint and live in a more sustainable way is simply reduce consumption in general. My daughter sort of got me into this. All good. Oh, there's a word now, minimalism. There's even books out on the subject. But it does help and it does work. And I'm trying to strive to do this. First thing you got to do is just remember, buy less. Then if possible, when you do need to buy anything, buy better. It sounds a little contraindicative, but it's true. If you skip the first step, budgets can feel strained. But if you generally think carefully before you buy anything at all, you will soon pare things down to the real necessities and you might have money left to pay a little more for sustainable versions of the things you do really need. Buying less often involves taking things into your own hands. Taking a, I call it DIY, do-it-yourself approach. Reusing, repairing, recycling, sharing, and swapping can help you see that many of the things you need might be obtained very cheaply or without spending any money at all. Once you embrace this concept, many steps won't even cost you anything. Cutting consumption also reduces waste. Another key strategy, of course, to sustainable living. One thing anyone can do for free is start composting at home. Yes, you can compost even if you don't have a garden. All you need is a reclaimed container to put the compostable material in. I have a really good friend, as a matter of fact, that regrows vegetables from, I would say it's from scraps. I mean, literally, he'll save the little cabbage base and, and put it in water or the lettuce, I think is the one he does there, and it regrows. You'll take uh, some of the little tiny onions you'll get sometimes in the, in, the, in the group and grow the tops or make whole onions out. All right at his house. Some of it on his, he's got some sunny windowsills and all that's cost free. You just grow it right there where you are. You've got your great way to grow herbs, for instance. And first of all, herbs are very expensive, especially if you buy organic as I do. So if you just grow your basic herbs on your windowsill or out your front porch or wherever, depending on where you live, uh, on your little deck if you have a, a flat, uh, you can grow a, a good amount of the things you want to eat that are really good for you, healthier than probably most of them you could buy, for very, very little energy input. Of course, it depends on where you live and your current energy deal, and you might be able to switch to a renewable energy supplier. We, I did that in my home in Texas without this adding to your monthly bills. How about water? Conserving water won't cost you hardly anything either. Anyone who can switch off taps when they're brushing their teeth and wash themselves in their clothes only when required to give just a few examples, if you have metered water, water conservation will save you money too. 
Best of all, learning new skills won't cost anything either. And skills like gardening, cooking, foraging, and plant identification, which I love to get into, make do and mend skills, that kind of thing. You can help move forward toward a more sustainable way of life for yourself and the people around you. And here's maybe some other sustainable steps that you can think about to save money. Even if you're a renter, you can cut energy consumption with simple steps like switching off gadgets. And I have to talk about that for a minute. All of the TVs, if you happen to have a flat screen TV, almost all of them now are in a standby mode, which means they're taking electricity 24 hours a day. If you turn them really off at night, uh, I happen to put strips in. I have one right here where I am right now using this little setup. And you just push the button and everything plugged into it is totally off for the night. Doesn't hurt anything. Think about that. Say you sleep eight hours or 10 hours a night times an entire year. All that energy those little guys are kind of eating up through they wait for you to need them is all saved. Think about Plugging gaps with homemade draft excluders. My son-in-law just put, didn't need a heater vent in a particular room, so he just completely shut it down. So that, that piece of heat's going somewhere that's more efficient somewhere else. Um, think about batch cooking. Of course, believe it or not, you wouldn't believe the energy you save by putting a lid on the pot you're cooking with. <laughs> Add that up during the whole year and there's a big difference. So small steps can add up and cut the cost of your energy bills as well as shrink your carbon footprint. I haven't been very successful at this myself, but I will tell you, switching to a diet that has a higher percentage of, let's call it vegetable matter, (laughs) plants, folks, uh, and lowering your meat consumption Start by doing, I used to have a meatless Monday, for instance. One day, each week, but look at that. It's four, four days a month, and what is that? One of 50 days a year. And then go from there. If you enjoyed that, or if you feel you can, you can uh, live with it, if that's the word. There was a study in, in, in England, in UK, that found that their vegan shoppers, shoppers that were primary vegetarian, saved about 40% on their groceries from what they were paying when they were what I call casual meat eaters. And I can certainly talk about this because I practice it, oh, at least five days a week. That's cycling, or in your case, if you're a walker. Cycling or walking are other obvious ways to reduce costs by saving you money on fuel or public transport. And you may be able to just realize all at once choosing slow travel solutions can be used more often than you think. You just have to change your your thinking a little bit about the time involved. So I've sort of a wrap here. I just wanted to kind of go on about this. I've just have been kind of practicing it since I've moved from one part of the country to the other for now. If you are truly making your life more sustainable, the more you learn and the more you act, the less money you will spend even when your end goals are still what we would consider maybe out of reach, even on a very low budget if that's how you have to live. There is still plenty you can do right now to live in a more sustainable way. Just my food for thought. Now this next subject has really nothing to do with what I was just saying, but one of the other things I'm interested in, and for those people that have followed me some for 20 years now, they know I kind of bounce around sometimes. That's why I do 
this show in so many places. One of my favorite animals, and there's dozens, but one that I've dealt with, raised babies, is armadillos. And here in the United States, armadillos are really historically confined down into Texas and the Deep South. But in recent years, these guys, these little hard-shell mammals, if you've ever seen them, have been moving north. Scientists now believe that climate change has expanded their range by producing milder winters, of course, further into the north, allowing them to comfortably inhabit new areas, including parts of, for instance, this was a surprise to me, the Blue Ridge Mountains. We just don't have those really cold winters anymore, and I'm sure that that's helped the armadillos move north, said Colleen Alton Buttle, which is a biologist at the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission. It's only a matter of time before we see range expansions into other states for the armadillo. In other words, they're still moving north. Armadillos originated in South America and have long been common in Texas, where they are the state's official small mammal now. I'm from Texas, or at least most of my life. Now they are reaching as far north as Missouri, Nebraska, and Iowa. With it done, and it seems like they're still advancing north on a regular basis. Able to hold their breath for six minutes at a time, armadillos can cross rivers by walking along the bottom or by inflating their, of all things, folks, their intestines and floating across the top. Their hard shells protect them from predators and they reproduce pretty prolifically, with females giving birth to quadruplets always, multiple times over the course of their lives. And I should tell you that their quadruplets are all identical. They're they're quadruplet twins, if there's a way you have to think about. We always think to know what twins are. Well, these all four have the same genetic makeup. Unfortunately, armadillos are prone to digging. Sometimes they dig in your yard, and they've proved to be a nuisance to certain homeowners, especially as a newcomer to North Carolina. And it's even spurring some places to put a bounty on them. And having dealt with them, I can personally tell you it's kind of a challenge to deal with their damage if you need to. They're hard to trap, and I don't know if there's a repellent for them. I am told, believe it or not, of all the strange things that they seem to be somewhat unhappy if it's around is a thing called blood meal, which you can buy at most agricultural outlets. I don't know it for a fact yet, but I've been told by I call it my country folk in Texas where I come from that they they would line their garden areas and things with blood meal and the armadillos wouldn't come in. These little guys were first sighted in North Carolina as far back as 2007. Uh, But recently it seems they're growing in numbers, especially in the mountainous half of the state. As long as they have water and places to dig, they'll be moving in. But do realize, even when they're digging your yard and your garden up, they are great insect removers. They really are good at controlling insects. Unfortunately, they make a mess doing it. There's ways to basically prevent them. It's all like, you know, people that have to put up with deer. You can put protection. You You can put protection around the plants you want to keep them away from. They're not terribly invasive with that. And I do may do it on another show, have an idea of how to trap them that works pretty successfully if you just have a little patience. So probably more than you want to know about the little armadillo. 
But you gotta admit, especially the people that haven't lived down in the South where I have, they're still astounded every time they see them. Thanks for hanging in there with us on Organic Matters.